Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Project Tears podcast. I am Kevin. And I am Joe. As usual, we are here to talk to you about project cars. So this is continuing on our series of the vintage 4x4. This will be episode number three. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, go and do it. It's worth your it's worth your time. Give them a whirl. So first one is kind of us going over the top four vintage 4x4s That's right. in our in our opinion. Episode two was the wonders of Land Rover. And there were many. We yeah. barely fit it all in there. It is the longest episode we have so far. <laughs> and it's all about Land Rover. This episode, since I'm the scout guy and both of us have the same feelings about Broncos, we're combining scouts and Broncos together because I'm afraid that I don't have enough things to say about scouts. That's okay. I mean, we're coming to you today from the lovely, musty interior of Kevin's 1967 International Scout. 800? Yes. Half, 800. half cab? Half cab. It's just a little truck, so it's got a little bed on the back, a little cab, fit two people in here. When I bought this, my family consisted of two people, me and my wife. Ah, you now did maybe get a third. Now that, well, there's, here's the other thing about it. You'll notice there's a, a shifter here. Oh, yeah. A transmission shifter there, and you keep going back. There's another transmission oh, shifter. I missed it. One. I missed the shifter. There's instead. shifters all over the place in this thing. Two-seater it is, then. So this is, yes, like Joe said, my 1967 International Scout, which... Um, the only parts left international are the frame and the body. Part of the frame? No, all the frame. And all the frame? Yeah. Okay, just kidding. Don't listen to Joe. It's got some extensions welded onto the That's frame. That's what it is. I knew something was But the this. frame is 100% international. And the body? And the body. What's left of it? And the dash. The dash? That's very small. So, here's the history. Do I do, do history? Do we want history on the Scout here? Yeah, lay it out. Lay it out. Because that's probably the extent of the Scout history we're going to get. So. And, and it intertwines with the Bronco. So, wife and I are married. I think I've talked about this in another episode. Anyway, continuing on. You did. Wife and I are married. Um, she wants a Bronco. I try to tell her what kind of old car do you want. I want an old 4x4. She's like, I want a Bronco. And I was like, okay. Uh, good friend Steven says, hey, have you heard of Scout? And I'm like, nope, I haven't at that point in life. And uh, so we bought a Scout for 800 bucks because uh, Bronco at the same time of, like, ill-reputed Bronco was, like, multiple thousands of dollars. Yeah. So and you got an 800 for 800 I got it. It might have been 900 but we'll say 800 because it sounds better. That sounds better. It was less than $1,000. It did kind of sort of run. But, um, yeah, so we were talking earlier, Joe and I, my love of Scouts pretty much ends at this scout. <laughs> <laughs> so does mine, coincidentally. <laughs> I, uh, I don't um, have a huge affinity for these vehicles. This one I hold near and dear to my heart, much like I do, Kevin. But There's uh, been many hours put into this one, and there's a love-hate yeah. relationship with it. Very much so. From both of us. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like Scout 2s. We'll just throw that out there right now. They're, it's like a... a Inverted Bronco two, right? Like the Bronco two. No, it's, it's, smaller, it's the like Scout the two. Didn't they make yeah, it bigger? Yeah, it's like the seventy eight, seventy nine Scout. It's like a Blazer, which I, I hate Blazers. I'm sorry, big square body Chevys. I don't like so hard sell for me as well. I, I don't like the big fat SUVs. I like my smaller stuff, which is why I like this body style. And I, 
I am more prone to liking Scout 800s, 800As, 800Bs, 80s, all those, that generation body style, the smaller stuff. But even at that, like I see other ones, I'm like, eh, it's cool. But I just like mine. I don't, I don't need yeah. to own any more, right? There's certain vehicles that like I would own multiples of this. Oh, like, for sure. Nope, this is the only Scout I ever need in my life. And even then, some days I get frustrated with it and wonder if I need it in my life. Well, this is also the only Scout I need in my life. So <laughs> we got that going for us. So let's go a little history on let's let's do Bronco. This is Bronco Scout episode. So Bronco. I've been reading up a little bit on Bronco. Ah, uh, see, you always come more prepared for these than <sighs> I do. Just a little bit. It's I read like Wikipedia. And, it's a trap. And I pretend like that's things I know. I'll go off of my rickety old memory and see how well that's. It's more me. fun that way. Yeah, it's like a guessing game. So Broncos came out in '65. I want to say, I thought they were 66 to 77. Oh, you're right. So, so 65 is, is when they could have been the release. Yeah. Yeah, it was the release. First model year was 66. And they came out, coincidentally, to compete directly with the CJ at the time. Yes. And the International Scout. Now, the thing I did find slightly more interesting is Ford was the first one to market it as a sport utility vehicle, ah. as an SUV, as something for you and your family to go out and enjoy as a toy more than a military or now, farm use vehicle. Fun side note, I have watched many a YouTube video of vintage Bronco advertisements. Yeah. Their commercials are hilarious. There's <laughs> this voice that goes, Bronco, and then it shows the thing. <laughs> like Jeeps, you see the old World War II, like they're bouncing over the ruts. Like the crap they do in the Bronco in the commercials, it's like, holy moly. Um... Not to hijack it, but one of the things I find most fascinating about the Bronco was, you know, like with the Mustangs of the era, they really, like, gravitated towards motorsport, and they did not disappoint with the Bronco. Like, they were very well involved indirectly or directly, whether you look at, like, Parnelli Jones or the, the Baja Bronco. I don't remember who drove that one. But, like, they, they were well involved in, uh, like, Baja and whatnot yeah. back in the 69, day. I think, is when they started to do that. 69, 70. Yeah. And I like that's like more fascinating. I'm not discrediting Jeep for like, you know, winning the old WWII and whatnot, but like Land Rover has a camel trophy. Broncos have about, the Baja. We're not talking about Land Rover. I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> and like, Jeep did what? Like, we ran over some rocks. Whoop -de -doo. They got a, they named a Jeep after a trailer. Which came yeah. first, that chicken or egg? I don't know. Trail or the Jeep? Trail came first, I'd imagine. What, and Jeep? Then, yeah, the trail. The Rubicon Trail has been learned for a long time. Oh, the Rubicon Trail. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where the, the Rubicon yeah, yeah. thing. But anyway, there's I digress. And uh, just to spur old wounds, um, the FJ40 is pretty much good for nothing, and they ripped <laughs> the name off to try to market it against a car. <laughs> And then like, I always had a hard time with that. And that's a little known fact about the FJ40. Probably the only fact you'll ever hear me recite. Because they intentionally called it the Land Cruiser so that it would be confused with the Land Rover. And hopefully siphon off some sales. And that, that's all I got, honestly, on the FJ40. So we can move on. So now um, this is the, the Bronco Scout and Bronco Scout FJ40 rant. Well, you know, we mentioned Land Rovers and Jeep. And yeah, don't true. want, don't want the little girls to feel left out. So... so Okay, so I did a little more research on Bronco history here before I forget it. If you got to remember it. Originally, so base model started at like 3400 3500 Okay, yeah, that bucks, sounds about right. Which in today's money 
is about $25,000. Interesting. So then I looked up the 2021 Bronco because that's what's on everybody's who loves the yes. Bronco's mind. You're listening to this in the future, so you probably already know what it looks like. We're anxiously awaiting like next week. They're we see shadow images and really crappy yes. spy photos of them driving around the dirt. And yes. I think they look pretty good. I don't, I, I, I'm not disappointed in them. I am anxiously optimistic about what that's going to look like. Continue. So, 2021 Broncos. Uh, 2021 Broncos supposedly going to be around 30000 bucks. So, like, I think it's pretty cool that they're keeping somewhat reasonable, reasonable price, price, like, point. compared to, like, what they were back in the day. Yeah. Uh, again, starting, it's going to be like the Jeep, right? Because Jeeps start at, like, 27000 but then if you get the Rubicon with all the fanciness, you're, like, above 50000 on those. So, I'm sure the Bronco have the same thing where you can buy base model for 30000 or fancy schmancy one for fifty. But yeah, yeah. Not a not a bad price for a cool vehicle, I feel. Now, um, go. Bronco question. Yeah. I know they came with a straight six and a small block Ford. Yep. Well, like the 302 or, yeah, I think back 289s then. 289s too, right? 289s and 302s. Did they ever come stock with a 351 of any form or a big block? I don't think so. I stumped you. Because I've known a few well, people. Well, I've read two paragraphs of Wikipedia. Okay. I think, <laughs> I don't know, like, because I think a 302 is pretty ample for that. Like, yeah, I would think so. I don't think Ford would get carried. I was just trying to think of what, like, a fully optioned out Bronco would be. And just thinking back of, like, you know, the myriad of options I've seen on these <laughs> Broncos over the years. Like, really, that's the biggest one is just engine size. But Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, so I was Tangent. talking to my dad about this topic not long ago and he said he worked on a dealership at one point that had he swears it was a stock v8 bronco which would probably have the 302 maybe the 289 in it but but it's the same thing i've heard stories from from sorry dad old people that uh, had cjs with the v8 stock v8s that claim and he was saying the same thing that like if you romped on that thing and dropped the clutch like it would pull the front tires off the ground ah i have because they're so low geared right and when i I used to have guys come into the off-road shop and tell me the same thing as like, oh, you should have driven those CJs back in the day, gearing, blah, blah, blah. You tried off-road them and you'd like dump the clutch going up a hill and roll over backwards because they were just wheeling up like at any given time because there was so much horsepower. Wheelbase is three feet long. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, ah, I don't know why anybody lifts them because they, they just want to roll over anyways and they're so crappy to drive. And I was like, yeah, it's this, that's the CJ conversation we had. Yeah. I always had a hard time with the V8 and the CJ. Fun old Bronco fact, since we're talking about dads and Broncos, in the early 70s, my dad grew up in Southern California and bought a a Baja competition Bronco at the salvage auction. Yeah. And he was like the second owner after, the first owner after the race. I guess they made it a couple miles in, tipped it on its side, and then... I want to say, like, hosed it down primer gray over all the sponsor decals (laughs) and then sent it off to the insurance company. So he paid, like, a couple hundred bucks for it or whatever. In today's money, I'm sure that's a lot more. But to your point, um, it had a built 289 with, like, a brass scatter shield for the clutch. Um, It, uh, I, I guess it was quite well built. I want to say it was around, like, a 14. 50 CFM carburetor on it or something like that. Like, just ridiculous. And he said it was more or less like an on-off switch. But he said it would spin all four tires into hot, smoky burnouts and, you know, quite rowdy and rambunctious. Um, 
oddly enough, his brother sent it sailing, got it airborne, and stuck it into a gravel pit or a sand pit <laughs> and totally annihilated the whole thing. Um, they tried to piece it back together, and he said it was just never the same, but he said that thing was fast. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, I've, I don't know. There's been a, a few stories. I think it's the gearing mainly. I, I'm sure you get the right amount of torque with the right kind of gears. Because, yeah. I mean, we talked about this too before, like old V8s versus current four-cylinders, like same horsepower. But if that was a race one, obviously it probably had more done All to kinds it. kinds of stupid stuff. Yeah. yeah. I guess he could never actually get it registered because it was a race motor. And back then you could have like unlimited temporary permits. So like every two weeks you had to go to the DMV and get a new tag. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to do that with the probe. They didn't like that. <laughs> Today's modern era, they track that too closely. You just got to move out in the middle of nowhere where they have no rules. What's this? This 67, baby. No, yeah, anyway. no inspection, no emissions. Inspection. For those of you in Utah, there uh, there are still some perks to having old cars. So I guess I'll, I'll go back to talking about my scouts. Yes. It's, it's what I know. So like we were saying, the only thing scout on this is frame and body because I killed off a 1990 Toyota 4Runner for <laughs> the drivetrain, axles, uh, I bought a solid front axle. So it's solid Toyota front and rear axles, three link in the front coilovers, leaf springs in the rear, which are Cherokee leaf springs, which I still pains me to say that, but that's what they are. No, no, you just, I just, are they aftermarket in any way, yes. shape, or form? Yeah, they're not okay. stock Cherokee, they're aftermarket. Then they're, they're, they're whatever. built to the specs that a Cherokee fleece frame would be built to, but they're. I wouldn't even say that, I'd just say that they're, they're <laughs> Jimbo's leaf springs. Jimbo's 48 and a half inch leaf springs. There you go. Yeah, um, I would remove any Cherokee affiliation. I, I, I yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I uh, went with the four cylinder because it's a four-cylinder still, and that's what this Jeep, Jeep, oh, oh dang, soul. Kevin, really? That's what the Scout, you got me talking about Jeep leash springs. Ah, I'm sorry. That's what the Scout was normally, and I thought that was kind of fun, it was easy to put in there, and I had it, right? Going yeah. back to, like, the original Kevin Project vehicle, it was all about money. The 4Runner was 200 bucks, the Scout was under a thousand bucks, like a thousand bucks into, like, majority of my drivetrain, and these, okay, so the old Scout axles leaked like a sieve. Yeah. The engine ran like garbage. Carburetor was like held together with like somebody's uh, brass soldering. Like brazing. Brazing. There you they go. Yes. They had like brazed the carburetor back together and it was just junk. And so I was like, do I spend a bunch of money on junky international stuff or do I go with something else? I just talked to the toilet stuff, which I don't regret. I mean, the thing is, this thing has sat in a parking lot unloved for like five years. Got it back to my new house, but I have room for it in my driveway now, and uh, hooked, like, put the gas line in a gas can, put a jump charger on it, and it fired right up and idled for as long as I wanted until I turned it off. Like That's quite exciting. I don't regret this engine. It's probably not going to have enough horsepower when I go to drive it, but, like, it's also geared down. As we were talking about all my many stick shifts. I have a manual transmission with a double transfer case, so I have, like, ridiculous low gears if I want them. Um, well, and I think that goes back to, like, a conversation about, like, what I would do if I had my druthers about the old Rover, which I would actually put a four-cylinder back in it. I mean, I, I would probably, if I did it again, I don't know if I would do this engine again, but I do not regret what it has in there now, other than, like, if I pop the hood. 
Yeah. Everybody questions it. <laughs> Which, whatever. I don't we, need, we need to dress it up a little bit. But, like, honestly, though, I think from a platform standpoint, it's not irredeemable, we'll say. Yeah. I give Kevin a lot of crap about how this thing, what this thing is compiled of. <laughs> uh, it's all tough love, we'll say. Uh, but, like, the 22RE is, like, a bomb-proof motor. I shouldn't say that because I really don't know per se. And you just cursed it. It, it has yeah. a healthy reputation yeah also. it does and and i think with that like that is a good starting point especially on a budget build because it has a lower likelihood of becoming costly right so that's that's uh fred williams logic he's got if you don't know him he's does a bunch of four by four stuff he's does the he's like editor-in-chief of four wheel parts or Peterson four-wheel off-road magazine now, I think. Um, but his logic is overbuild the axles, underbuild the engine. That way you'll never break. Yeah. Right? And that's what something I, we see you see a lot of these days is broken axles because everybody wants more horsepower, wants more horsepower, wants more horsepower. The axles can't handle it. Like, you've got to have a weak point somewhere in there. It's usually going to be a U-joint or an axle shaft or a drive shaft. Right? But if you... Nature finds a way. Yeah. And these Toyota <laughs> axles... Supposedly, like I've I've met people that run like 40s or bigger on stock rear axle shafts because they're big enough they don't care and you put the chromolies in the front and you're good to go, um, which I haven't got around to, but, but you're that'll happen. Still, you're not throwing tons of torque and horsepower. Out. Yeah, no, and so and so here's here's the thing: if you're buying, you like the body style of the Bronco Scout, right? If you don't have a Bronco. To buy a Bronco now, when I was down at Winter 4x4 Jamboree 2019, there was a Bronco that was probably similar condition to the Scout. That's how it looked. Didn't have a top on it, though. Plenty of rust to go around. Some hodgepodge-looking lift kit on it. Paint was garbage. And it said $20,000 on the windshield. Ouch. And I was okay. like, what in the deuce? Like, Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, pretty crazy. It had some work done to it. Maybe it had some ridiculous motor. Or maybe it was just an ugly face with a grate underneath. I don't know. It 100% didn't look that way. But that's the thing with, like, this episode of Vintage 4x4 is is you have very polar opposites with scouts that you can still find and pick up for, like, I mean, if you don't mind rust, which Relative a lot of them are because yeah. they lived on farms and they didn't get loved, right? Yeah. You can find them for less than a 1000 bucks still. You know, if you want a nicer one, there are people that, like, fully restore them and they want, you know, maybe ten dollars to $20,000 for them, but... Compared to a Bronco. Compared to a Bronco, okay. Yeah. So the other thing that I that I found, the other stat that I found was um, Barrett Jackson said in the last three years, Broncos on their auction has gone from an average of, what did I say, $40,000 up to $75,000 on average at a Barrett Jackson. Now, granted, Which is Broncos at Barrett Jackson are all going to have uh, five O's in them or Coyotes. Yeah, they're, right. they're probably they built They probably the have Jeep axles under them. Possibly, you know yeah. that's that's. Uh, but they're all done up. But the thing is, like, it's still like repurposing other stuff, you know. Yep. And and you could build one. I had a conversation recently with someone about uh, old car as an investment, and I where I basically said it's a terrible investment. Like, you want to build an old car? I'm all for it. Build an old car. Pay someone to do it. Have a show car. Have a cruiser, have a rat rod, whatever you want, right? But don't but like, enter into if that you're doing as an investment. Yeah, if you're doing it as an investment, you're you're barking up the wrong tree because you're going to lose out every time. Yep. But now, like, if you own a Bronco, 
fix it, and you will double your money on it. Because, well, yeah, like, and I mean, the, the I actually was talking to, I think I was talking to my son about this, about how the, the car market is just like any other market, it, you know, the stock market, whatever. It has its high and lows. And, like, obviously, something like the Bronco, when they hit a high point like that, the supply gets gobbled up a lot faster because you hit those peaks, <coughs> which good. makes the valleys, I feel like, a lot higher. <coughs> so even if they do come back down, they're not going to come back down as far because they had that that apex of value and everybody was out trying to get their hands on a Bronco. Right. And now you've got a lot more aftermarket support on Broncos than you do versus a Scout, right? You can go buy an aluminum Bronco. And yeah. if you wanted can to... Can you get an aluminum Bronco? No. I, I swear you can. No, I don't think so. I think that was another conversation we were having. You can get a whole repopped body, but I thought they were still doing them still. No, I think they're still. still. You talk so much aluminum, I just assume everything's I, aluminum. I have aluminum on the brain. So okay, yeah. Point. I guess that, anyway, that was my. Yeah, you point. can get a whole new. I think Bronco. you're right. You yeah. could you could build a Bronco from scratch, because like, like you're saying, like they're they're going away quickly. What's out there is being bought up and being redone. Um, yeah. And and so that industry is taken off with the Scout. I don't not that I've ever seen. Like there's still companies that sell new old stock Scout stuff, and like if you want. Uh, I just saw something the other day from one of the scout like uh, shops that rebuild them. Um, if you want a replacement blinker, like you have to find a new old stock. Like that's your Nobody's only option. Nobody's making new blinkers. Yeah, you can't. I mean, something as stupid as that, right? It's it's unique to the vehicle. It's a little rectangle. It's not anything special, but it's a weird size. Um, which is every all the lights on this have been redone except for my front blinkers because I couldn't find them, and now I know why. Is that nobody? There's no aftermarket support for it. So again, another reason why this Scout is now just as much Toyota as it is Scout is because to find that stuff. I mean, you can find Scout two axles, right, that are beefier and heavier, and you can get yeah. the 345 V8 out of Scout two and put it in there. And which, but then again, it's like an oddball V8. So there's not a whole right. lot you can do again, to make power. They, yeah, if you, you know, want power, you're not going to happen. If you know, if you want parts, you're going to be waiting for them. Um, and so, you know, you buy an old Bronco, it's a lot bigger investment, it's a lot bigger return if that's what you're looking for down the road. But, like, there's a lot more support. You buy a Scout, you better plan uh, on it being a project. And, yep. you know, I want door hinges, I can go buy them for $400 or I can make Joe make them for me. You know what I mean? Like Nice stainless. That's yeah. the stupid thing is the hinges on these are $100 a piece. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I'll only charge a double. Yeah, bugger. So, I had a... A, a light bulb moment here so we're gonna make a quick detour to joe's magic of ford in the 60s moment do it because you triggered something as you were talking about all that one of the things i found ultimately fascinating and we we built the econoline van and kevin and i have collaborated on numerous bronco builds actually yeah over the years yeah um in that era ford was pretty much using the same parts for everything now tangent to my tangent if you look at the <laughs> british car market in the 60s like you can find the front marker light on a say like a early 70s mgb or mg midget is the same as like a jaguar xj6 of the same era and the same as a triumph spitfire <laughs> of the same era like 
manufacturers were sharing parts. But like Ford in the 60s, like, and it, it, for a, a glimmer in time, it was actually quite genius. Around the time the Bronco came out, was around the same era that like the Mustang and the Econoline all came out. They all actually used the same door handles, the same door mirrors. Um, like there's like a half dozen parts that all these vehicles use the same of. Do you know the same guy designed, like the guy that came up with the Bronco is also the guy that came up with the Mustang? I did not. I found that on Wikipedia today. And Lee Al... Lee... Iacocca. Yeah. yeah he, oh, Iacocca. That's what it is. Lee Iacocca was the one that, like, approved all of it. Fun fact. So that's why they're all the Fun same, fact. because there's, like, the same handful of guys that yeah, yeah. did them all. And, like, the, the Econoline, if you got the passenger vehicle, they actually called it the Falcon Wagon or whatever. Yeah. But I guess that's my point, though. Like, a door handle or a turn signal or different stuff was found on like a half dozen different cars, so it made it a lot easier to... But when you're International Harvester building tractors and you decide to build a... A scout for five minutes. Truck, yeah. then you, I guess you just make your own stuff for it. <laughs> which which is, is, I think, the ultimate tragedy of the scout, as we previously discussed, is, you know, they they kind of faded into oblivion for that reason was, you know, before the advent of the internet, like, where the heck are you going to find a front turn signal? So either a farmer, you know, bastardized the poor scout so right. that it had a light in the front that blinked, even though it wasn't necessarily accurate to what it had originally, or over time enough parts needed to be replaced and it just wasn't worth using. Um, fun tidbit of information that we did discover about the scout recently is when I picked up the CJ5 and started dabbling with it, my dad had a bunch of leftover forklift parts and like I was showing him I needed a wheel cylinder and he's like, you know, that looks like a one of these forklift wheel cylinders pulls it out. They're like identical master cylinder, identical. And Kevin finds out that like a lot of tractor or industrial equipment parts of a more modern era are actually identical and interchangeable with some of the original international parts. I found that absolutely fascinating. Anyway. Yeah, that's... Well, that's going back to what you were saying, because we... What, what was your... We were messing around with something the other day. Oh, the, the all-wheel drive... So going to Ford and reusing the same parts, what were you saying, like, the... Was your dad messing around with the Navigator? Not the Navigator. Oh, the, 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 the Edge. The edge. Ford edge. edge. Like the, the platform, yeah. The two-wheel drive and all-wheel drive is like a swap of, like, a few bits and, like, ta-da... Yeah. Yeah, that, that platform that they built was actually quite ingenious how they did it, so you could easily upgrade that to an all-wheel Which, drive. in my years, I found out that Nissan does the same thing. Like, you can yeah. swap, doing it a V8 engine swap from, like, the Nissan, the Titan motor into a Xterra, like, it basically bolts in. Like, all the lines match up, like, you have to do a little bit with brake lines, but other than that, like, AC lines, everything's in the exact same spot. Like, it all lines up. We found that out with, well, un, unforeseen, unproven. I read online somewhere that, like, Volvo has done the same thing. Like, their small cars with their big cars, like, in theory, you can just, like, drop out everything and turn a front-wheel drive car into an all-wheel drive because, like, it all just bolts in, more or less. Obviously, there's yeah. more work than that, right? But, like, I, I've, I've become amazed, like how much that happens within manufacturers that I don't think people realize. Well, and I think it's it's kind of a newer thing, too, because, like, the 
going to a more of a universal platform or universal drivetrain, I think makes it more possible to do things like that. Where, you know, back when the Bronco and Scout were made, it was a little more cut and dry. I mean, it it didn't get much more than door handles. Oh, excuse me, I'm over here hiccuping. Um, you know, you park a Bronco next to a uh, Mustang, and yeah, you can swap the door handles and mirrors and maybe even the engine, but outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot going on there where nowadays you could take like, you know, I think it's the Ford Flex, the Explorer, and the Edge all share a similar like platform and drivetrain and everything. So it's yeah. like, you know, they are on the surface dramatically different vehicles. However, underneath they're really not. Which, which tying this back into the episode, the Bronco, the new 2021 Bronco is basically a Ranger with a different body on. Now exactly. they, they said yeah. they have beefed up some components because they've they've made it more off-road capable, more off-road uh, channeled, right? So so it's it's a Ranger platform with beefed up parts is basically all I saw. But but again, it's it's basically just a Ranger, right? And then the, yeah, yeah. the sport is based off of the. It's the escape. 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 Right. So again, they're just rebodying re what what they already have, and uh, not a bad idea, you know. But... No, but this is the one and only criticism I have of Land Rover, and we talked about this in previous episodes. So you can pause here and listen to the previous episode if you want to hear the whole rant. Like the whole the BS sport model thing just drives me completely insane. <laughs> You know, because like the Broncos is like it's it's they should have just ponied up and called it the Bronco too. Yes, they should have. They have that name and, and probably less capable uh, than the the original Bronco. And like it drives me crazy because Land Rover did the whole thing like they revamped their whole model line, and every model gets a little sister model with the word Sport or Evoke thrown on the back of it. And although they are totally different models yeah they get to carry the same name and i to me that's very disingenuous i feel because it's not representational of this iconic name of bronco you know like it's like oh it's a square escape yeah like let me put well, it yeah it's just and it looks are, are ford and land rover still in bed together no they are not because they still was, look identical they man they're still walking down the same trail i swear i saw lincoln like a brand new lincoln crossover the other day and it yeah. looked exactly like a land rover like there they the window like yeah. that little tapered window thing in the back i was like what the heck from what i understand right about the time chevy got the bailout like months prior ford dumped jaguar land rover and aston martin aston martin ended up independent and jaguar land rover remained sister companies and tata motors bought them and i believe they still have them to this day. She's um, using the same designers or what? <laughs> I, I don't know if Ford still has some, like, you know, some some feelings for the ex-girlfriend and wants to, you know, be reminded of her. <laughs> Rightfully Maybe. so. I mean, Land Rovers are pretty sweet, as I've previously mentioned. But, um, oh, I was going to say, I, re I remember seeing something about a patent filed for the new Bronco of a... I believe it's still welded in, but a exchangeable frame, front frame section to make the Ranger chassis have a solid front axle for the new Bronco. Oh, really? 
Do you have any information that would confirm or deny no, the because new Bronco I, having a solid front axle? Well, if it's this space of a Ranger, it doesn't, right? Yeah, yeah, but so, if they had that patent, would that indicate that it does? I, I, they don't have an axle that size. Like, that's the thing is right now, I mean, Ford, they could obviously outsource to somebody, but, like, right now the only solid axles that Ford has are all... But could they do, like, an 8.8 .8 with knuckles on it? Maybe. But would, I mean... There's many issues as Jeeps have with the death wobble. Like, you can have a stock Jeep that death wobbles, right? A stock yeah. Dodge that death wobbles. A stock F-250, a 350. They get death wobble. They drive like crap. You don't have those issues with independent. the independent, right? Yeah. Um, now, maybe, maybe Ford is going to have the Bronco version of the rubicon it would be a raptor because it's not meant to go fast in the dirt right yeah where if they have a special model that is a solid axle to try to compete with jeep i think that would be a lot of money invested into kind of a, oh i agree so and i it, don't i as far as everything i've seen it's independent front suspension okay um and i i do think i remember reading an article at one point that said it was going to be independent suspension and anything about the evolution of the bronco sure it was solid axle in but first generation, second generation solid axle. As soon as you get third generation, it became independent. It becomes yeah. independent, and and Ford is, is stuck with that since, right? So, so I feel like That's Ford is, is fairly forward thinking with, or tries to be. So, okay, axles. Right, we just talked about right. They were trying to get into independent, you know, as quick as they could, like nineteen eighty ish, and and you know, trying to get away from that. And the same thing with like. The SVO line, right, with the oh, yeah. the turbo four cylinders, like they've been pushing that since the Fox body. That like you can get just as much performance out of a four cylinder turbo as you can a V eight, and you get weight savings, and it pisses all the V eight guys off because like Which, yeah, that shouldn't be happening, right? Yep. Um, and and so I don't see them digressing back to a solid axle i mean no, obviously style solid axles have their place in the off-road market but yeah i don't i don't see them doing that maybe they make it possible or maybe they patent it so that aftermarket people can't do it well and who knows i mean if somebody were to you know come up with like a radius arm with drag link suspension right as long as nobody that's lifted it, it take over. Land Rover suspension. They take Land Rover design. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Just take like, Land Rover suspension and slap the, it under it. The Defender had the same suspension for <laughs> onwards of like 40 years, and there was not a notorious death wobble issue that I'm aware of. No, because, yeah, because they had those did, trailing arms. We did We did find make that threshold, though. But, I mean, you got to get it, like, degrees out on your caster before it starts doing stupid things. But We have found the way to do it if and you it is, want it. Kevin will attest to this. Land Rover does do death wobble better if you can get it to do it. <laughs> um, anyway, so probably an independent front end. Now, independent rear end on the Bronco, you think? No. I think okay. it stayed solid axle. Stayed solid the axle. Sport obviously will be because yeah. it's based off the little earth. Because it's a Ford Escape. Ford Escape, yep. But I think I think they're they're sticking solid axle rear. I, I mean, the Ranger's leaf spring rear, though. Is the Bronco going to be coil spring rear? Dude, that would be sweet if it was. I think it should be. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for that, I think that would be the way to go down that road. The um, technology really is, it would not be that hard to put that together. And honestly, like, I get why the Ranger's leaf spring, but, like, yeah, if the Bronco's leaf spring, that'd be a huge missed opportunity. Now, here's my question for you. Like, Jeep has the Rubicon uh -huh. version. You think Bronco, because they already had that, like, 
Baja Bronco concept thing come out and rip around for a minute? Do you yeah, think, think they're going to come out with a Raptor variant that's more Baja oriented? I think it'd be dumb not to. I think that, I mean, just like Jeep does, you know, your Sport, your Sahara, your Rubicon, I, I would hope that Ford would try to do a similar thing with your yeah, like a Baja. base model, you know, all the way up to basically a Baja slash Raptor version of it, just like yeah. they have with the Ranger um, outside the U.S. and, and the F-150, right? I think that that would be, if you want to compete with Jeep, which which is what they've basically straight up came out and said, like, this is to compete with Jeep. It's a similar size, a similar platform. You know, it's trying to be off-road based. If yeah. you didn't make a Baja slash Raptor version of it, you would be missing a huge opportunity, I think. Because, again, you're not redesigning the whole platform. You're simply upgrading parts of it to allow for more travel, allow for Agreed. better off-road, yep. allow for wider stance, right? Um, I, I think it would be a, a huge op- miss opportunity if Ford didn't do it. And Agreed. I think it would be sweet if they did, so. So, and, and I guess that's, like, thinking at it from, like, my point, like, my specific, this is gospel of Joe Western, not necessarily. Um, any fact or whatever-based <laughs> statement, but, you know, if I had... 30, 40 grand in my pocket and was going to go get a little off-road vehicle. I've always been a little apprehensive towards Jeeps just because, like, I don't know. I think there's there's definitely a, a stereotype to, to Jeeps. Yeah, I would say and, so. And I would be, like, granted I'm a lot more forward-leaning and have had plenty of Bronco experiences in my life. I mean, the Bronco... You wouldn't even have to show me a spec sheet, and I would already be, you know, if I was required to spend that money in one of those two directions, I'd go Bronco every time. But, um, you like, to the whole Raptor tangent, like, there's not a Raptor that doesn't drive by that I don't drool all over. Right. You know? like, yeah, they 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 demand attention when you pass them on the road. You know, they... And it, it to me, and I love them, so that's probably... A biased opinion but like they don't seem as presumptuous as a gaudy lifted wrangler like you see somebody like a mall crawler wrangler with just like every widget on it and it just seems like presumptuous i guess is the only word i can think of but like someone could roll down the road in a bone stock raptor or even a pimped out raptor and to me, that comes across as far less presumptuous. I can just tell they got more money than I do at this point. I get excited about the Bronco because I think the Bronco is inherently less presumptuous. I think a bone stock Wrangler, there again, is not presumptuous, but everybody throws a lift and fat tires under it. And whether or not they utilize those components or not, it almost becomes the, the default setting for anybody that wants to at least be come across as an automotive anything. Right. And let's be honest, like, majority of lifted Jeeps, they don't drive good anymore. Like, you... Yeah, that was you, an you, There's a give experience. and take there, right? There's a... Yeah. You're, you're getting your off-road capability, you're getting looks, you're getting big tires, you're getting all this stuff, but, like, with that, you're giving up... Yeah, there's there is drivability. Where with the Raptors, 
you don't do that. I mean, you can fit, I can't remember, I think you can fit like 37s on them with yeah. like very minor changes, which the new Gladiators, you can too. You can, you know, 37, I think, stock on them. Um, but again, like the drivability of the, the Ford versus a Jeep, like if the Bronco can do decent off-road, um, solid axles have been proven more or less to be better at rock crawling, right? If, if you look at King of the Hammers, like the ultimate off-road race, right? You've got yeah. rock crawling, you've got rock bouncing, you've got high desert speed. Like, the guys that win those are usually independent. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of solid axle ones that do really good, but, like, you could do a lot with an independent um, suspension that you, that, you know, that you can also do with a solid axle. Now, I've wheeled solid axles, and I will test that, like, if you're building a rock crawler, and that's what you want it for obviously buy a solid axle like it's hands down a better way to go unless you've like fully tuned the suspension on it agreed okay so joe here's the last thing we're 40 minutes into this thing let's try to wrap this up so we don't beat the land rover episode yeah we gotta keep it pretty but much. we do have we do have fort and scout in this one but we, we did go and i i think i did a good job steering the conversation more pro ford and, and more anti-jeep and, and anti-fj40 yeah, well, um, we weren't going to mention it anymore. We're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> so here's my last question to you. Um, I was talking the other day about to my wife about buying a new or looking at newer vehicles. Do you yes. think, okay, so going back to my comment of Ford trying to be forward thinking, trying to stay on top of stuff, trying to innovate, come out with new stuff, where Chevy has been running the same V8 <laughs> always, right? But that being said, it's oh it's a bulletproof not bulletproof but it's it's yeah. a tried and true engine that is a, a simple design that works over and over again uh, where ford has more failing points but like is it worth that step or do you just get the truck that you know the engine's going to be good forever see and i i mean styling alone i pick ford dude right? the chevys are every, ugly every as day dog the week. like they're awful they looking. are they're terrible now I, I so this goes to my. I'm trying to tie this into Bronco because we know it's probably going to have a boosted four cylinder option. Oh, that would be so magical. You know, I, I don't. It, I don't know. I I read at one point. I can't remember what engine options they have, but it's an EcoBoost is in their future, right? I think they were doing a four cylinder and a V6, if I recall correctly. But they're better both be EcoBoost. My my prediction is by SEMA this year, one's going to be rolling out with a Coyote. I mean, they will. People will always yeah. swap V8s, right? You always have people that want the V8, um, so that, that need the V8. The root question is... Is, do you think if the Bronco comes out with EcoBoost, you know, versus, we'll, we'll say the Jeep engine, even though it's not anything too special, but it's it's been pretty proven to be okay. Do you think... I, I, I have... What? Hold back issues. I think the EcoBoost are getting better, but I, I kind of, they, the early models kind of scare me. Okay, now. High mileage EcoBoost. High mile, I think high mileage EcoBoost. Is that a fair thing to say? Fair thing, yeah, because I think. So Ford, fix your EcoBoost so that I can buy a Bronco with an EcoBoost and be a happy man. And uh, also, I don't know where I'm going to get $40,000 from. Yeah, we'll, we'll take donations. If someone has an, a cool 80 they want to fling to the project tiers. We could build them each our own way and see which one's more entertaining. Yes. But uh, I really think that I had that conversation too. Someone was like, oh, that EcoBoost is garbage compared to the LS. The LS is tried and true, blah, blah, blah. And I really like looking at it. I get 
that the LS is the LS because there's people that you can't you can't deny it. You can't talk sense into some people. That's <laughs> oh, that. I'm going to say that right there. But, like, direct injection and stuff like that, like, the thing that blows me away is I am a huge fan of the 2.3 Lima, which Ford made for 40 years. Like, right. it was a which... bomb-proof power plant. I was ecstatic when they brought back the 2.3 in the EcoBoost form. And when you look at the specs on that, I just find it staggering that they can get that out of an engine. Now, will it last for 200,000 miles? I don't know. It's probably going to be pretty spanked. And the problem is with a motor like that, you know that those are not driving to church every Sunday miles. Those are probably a lot of hot rodding, high revving. Yeah, you've got the noises, you've got yeah. the, the reaction, yeah. So I think that that being said, and the way it was described to me by one of my friends was, you know, these EcoBoosts are so complicated that you can't, ask all that of all those parts for a long period of time and expect it to hold up. And I agree. I think that there is some degree of planned obsolescence. Um, however, like, it's it's just so fascinating to me. I think just for the sheer craziness element, I would still opt for an EcoBoost. I think I would, too. I, I, I mean, I have my I have my reservations about them. But, like, at the same time, like, the heck with it. Let's go have an EcoBoost. Like, well, yeah, I mean. First off, you get a better looking truck. So absolutely. you win there. Yeah. And the Broco, I think, from what I've seen, is going to be the best looking thing. I, I have come out in a long time. Yeah. The Wrangler's neat. The Wrangler's gotten a lot better on the inside. They've the gotten outside. better on the outside, too, because they're trying to rip off a freaking <laughs> Land Rover Defender. Anyway. They've changed a little bit, but they're still the basic same thing, right? Yeah. The Broco is bringing something to the table that hasn't been there for a while. And I'm super excited about having the boxiness of the Bronco and the Scout back I and think, in a new yes, way. Yes. And and I love my old Scout, and I, I'm, I like old Broncos. I like the uniqueness of the Scout. That's why I have it. That's why everything I have is weird because, yeah. like, I don't like the mainstream version. So if I can find a little bit weird version of it, oh, I'm going to take cool. it every day. So, um, so yeah. I don't know. Wrap wrap up this uh, vintage Ford versus vintage International episode, okay. Joe. What did we learn? I think we learned that that the Bronco is carrying a pretty hefty legacy, and I think there's a lot of hope and expectation that Ford's going to um, be up to the task to carry it on. Um, I personally took away from this conversation that there's the potential for an exciting new, smaller, utilitarian market. If the Bronco's a success, who knows where that may lead. I mean, will, will Chevy jump in the game? Well, they it, brought back the Blazer, and that's just cute. Yeah, we're not, gonna, we're not <laughs> even going to discuss that. But, you know, it, it, it does um, beg the question, will... You know, Nissan come up with a new patrol. They, well, well there's, they do. If you, I saw this just the other day. Nissan is revamping the Frontier, and they've got a new little crossover thing that they're... I mean, it's still a crossover, right? But, like, yeah. they're revamping... Supposedly, there's like a, a 400Z on the revamp list. They've got, like, five or six vehicles that they're trying to revamp everything because they're tanking. Yeah, but but so like yeah, will that new well, SUV? If, I think the success of the anything? Bronco could 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 if, essentially, um, if they're a good enough competitor with the Wrangler, 
it may wake some other manufacturers up and say, hey, you know, this is a market that we had kind of, because if you look at the domestic market, the Wrangler's gone for years with zero competition. Yeah, and they're, and they're selling, I was reading, 800 to 900,000 units a year. That's a pretty good chunk. Yeah. And you could take, I mean, a lot of the manufacturers have something similar that they're using overseas that they could easily, you know, do a little refresh on and dump it over here. So that's what I look forward to. And I guess what my takeaway from this conversation was is, you know, it, it could open that, that genre back up, circling back to the vintage 4x4 tangent of, you know, back in the 60s, there was quite a, an offering of that range of vehicles from different manufacturers. And this this could be the resurgence of that, especially as people of our era are in the position to buy that type of product and we are kind of the last generation that really grew up around scouts and broncos and old jeeps and stuff like that so we're going to see a case ih bring back the the uh, scout it would be i'm not gonna lie it would actually be pretty cool to see like an independent manufacturer pick up the torch blow the gallons of dust off it and light that baby back So we're going to go, Joe, me and you are going to get a uh, press Bronco. We're going to rebody it as a scout. Why not? We could do, we, we have the technology. We have the tech. I mean, it's a square. Can't be that hard. It's a square. You just got to shave the corners off a little bit. And uh, you know what? Honestly, and then this is probably my, my last statement I'm going to make because I'll be bludgeoned to death shortly following it <laughs> i got a flashlight in my if we took a bronco and we fed it like a lot of corn 35 gallons of lard <laughs> i think we could make it look like a scout maybe 14 gallons that's of it lard. it's it's like a you know call a scout fat i'm getting out no it's a bronco with a bee sting it's a bronco with a bee sting there we find go the head it's old. not obese it's just can't, puffy can't. it's puffy well okay good night and on that note we'll end because Kevin has stormed off. Maybe he's, he's coming to my side of the vehicle. I hope these door locks work. There are no locks on this vehicle. <laughs> You're screwed. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Make sure you uh, check us out on the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. The social medias. The social medias of all your favorite sorts. Feel free to give us feedback, likes, any it, kinds of praise or criticisms. If you never hear jo Joe's voice again, you all know why. He called the Scout Fat. Goodbye.